Okay. There is help, okay? Please turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12. While you turn there, I had a, I had a first as a preacher. I've heard of preachers whose message changed on Sunday morning. They had been planning to preach all week. I thought it was because someone particular showed up and they had a message for them. But, you know, but, uh, and it never happened to me. But it, but it happened this morning at 3.30 in the morning. And, uh, you know, when, when, when God changes the message and you don't have it prepared, that's something else. I'm glad it was 3.30 and not 8 o'clock. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. I, I've tried to decide what to read to you uh, for this. Let's go ahead and read the first 13 verses. This is about... This is about Nathan and David, and it is after the situation that David was in with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah, okay? And so Nathan has gone to David, and so take this in as we read. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, tells him a story, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon? Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son." For thou didst this secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, 
I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. As I read that through again, this may be an angle that we share truth in that that maybe hasn't you haven't heard um, in this way. Let me change gears for a minute. Anyone here ever been on an elevator and that elevator jam up and trap you between floors? Anyone? Anyone? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. It has. Two, two of you? I can't... Uh, I, I, more? I, I didn't think that number would be four. I just knew that number would be zero this morning. It doesn't mess up my story, though. Uh, I've tried to make that happen before. When I was quite the kid when Shelly married me, and, uh, and I would jump up and down in the elevator just to make her think I was trying to make it malfunction. I grew up a little bit, and I don't, I don't jump in the elevator anymore. But I do mess with the little button like I'm going to pull or push that emergency button, and it gets her every time. She gets uptight about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure we all have this in common, unlike the four here. But, but for the rest of us, we've probably all been on an elevator, and we've probably all thought about that elevator jamming up between floors. It, I don't have the story to tell. I want to ask these four about theirs one day. But one man tells of his experience on it. And he said it was just like you might think. People started crying, help, help. The beating on the wall, it never stopped. The whole time people were beating on the wall, people were getting fidgety. The extra dramatic were feeling like they were losing oxygen uh, within 30 seconds of the jam up, one man played it calm and cool and he made his way through the people. The elevator was packed. It wasn't COVID time. It was way before that ever came. So it was a packed elevator. And so he nudged his way all the way across as calm as he can be. And he picked up this telephone. He didn't even have to dial anything. He just picked it up. And a voice from outside the elevator, that was good to hear, I know, they said, what is your problem? And he said, we're in the south elevator and we're stuck between the third and the fourth floor. And that voice from outside the elevator said, help is on the way. I just want to tell you this morning that for the children of God, for the struggle we face in this life, help is on the way. We're going to look at a specific help in the Word this morning, but, but I just want to blanket and, 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 th- and cover everything here for just a minute and say no matter what it is, help is on the way from God for the children of God. There is always help reaching out to those who are in need. God is a wonderful help to His people. There is help for you no matter what, no matter where you find yourselves. Here we've read in, in, in chapter 12, but, but in, back in chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but back there we find that David wanted to build a house 
for the Lord. That doesn't surprise me. David was a man after God's own heart. David wanted to honor the Lord in everything. Here David had a house of stone and God's house was a tent by way of the Ark of the Covenant being there and he wanted to build him a house. But God didn't need a house builder. I guess I could have stopped at God didn't need, period. God needs nothing. But he, he wasn't interested in a house builder. He was interested in a shepherd to lead the people of Israel. And that's what he called David to. He made a covenant with David. This went on from the covenant that was made with Abraham. That in Abraham's seed all the world would be blessed. And of course that's through Jesus Christ. And, and so David is called to shepherd the people of Israel. And, and he is told that his family would be taken care of. That, that this would be a covenant that would go on and on and on. And and so David is called to this place to be a shepherd to the people. There was the help of a covenant. There was the promise of the continuation of that covenant that God made with David. And then we find that David got into some sin. David got to a place where he fell, he was in darkness, he was in the valley, and he got into sin. He sinned with Bathsheba. He had Uriah put on the front lines of war, and Uriah died at the order of David, so he's guilty of murder. And then we have days and months ahead, you know, after this. Bathsheba's expecting a child. David tried to, had tried to get Uriah to go home and, and, and to have the pleasures of his family and to have the comfort of his home. And, and he was an honorable man and he wouldn't do that. He slept on the porch knowing his men were out on the battlefield. And so David couldn't cover it up that way. But David just went on for months. And... He's just going around and, and covering his sin, maybe coming up with every excuse he can just to try to numb it, just to try to ignore it, not to think about it, maybe thinking that people won't notice or people will sweep it under the rug or he would be able to sweep it under the rug, whatever the case. As we think about this, if, if I've got you there with me now and thinking about David's situation, what does God do with His children in this situation? You know, sadly, there are some out there who would say hell. They would say hell for David and they're absolutely wrong. That is incorrect. That is not a... Not only is it the wrong answer, it's not a possible right answer in any way for David as a child of God. I will say that the answer is close by way of the way it's spelled anyway because it's not hell, it's help. What is God going to do with his children in a situation like this? What does he do for David? And the answer that we see here is help. Maybe you and I think we can't relate well. Maybe you and I haven't experienced what David did. 
I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe some here have, maybe, maybe some haven't. But whatever the case, you know, we may not be where we should be in the Lord. I mean, we're not perfect. We have a ways to go. All right? I mean, maybe it's something that we're doing we shouldn't be doing. Maybe it's something that we're not doing that we should be doing. Maybe it's the sin of commission. Maybe it's the sin of omission. But whatever the case, you know, what, what's God going to do about it? I ask in this hour this morning, what will we do about it? You know, there's sometimes that... The people of God leave the sanctuary after worshiping God and it's as if everything must be perfect in the life of the child of God and all is well. I don't believe that about myself and it's hard to believe that about any children of God. We're a work in progress. We're in a struggle. We have things to deal with in our lives while we're here. I asked you this morning, what will you do about it? I asked you this morning, what will God do about it? What did God do for David? That's how we're going to answer this question this morning. And that answer is help. God helped David in this time that he was in. We're going to share this help for David this morning because it's the exact same help that we need, that we can have, that we have access to. God is willing and he's reaching and he's desiring to help his children. We're going to see that God is not through with David. And God is not finished with his children. I don't know, maybe there's someone here and you think God is finished with you. You think you're on the sidelines. You better make sure of that because God has a work to do in people's lives and many don't even know it. God is not finished with you yet. We are not without help. There is help for the suffering Christian, whatever you're going through. Specifically, according to the text, there is help for the straying Christian from God. And we're going to take a look at this this morning, first of all, by the help of a Christian. If you look with me here in chapter 12 and verse 1, we know what Uriah did. We know what Uriah's been, I mean, we know what David did and what's been going on for months. But Let's look at the help of a Christian in verse 1. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and he said unto him... I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. You've all probably heard the joke, and I've heard it said many different ways about the man who, uh, I don't know, he was a professor professing atheist or something and and uh and here he is hanging from a broken bridge between two cliffs and he says god if you're real please help me i will trust in you please help and a helicopter comes by and he says hey we're gonna let a ladder down and you grab that ladder and let go of of the bridge and we're going to pull you up you come on up that ladder and we're going to rescue you And he said, I appreciate it, but I've asked the Lord for some help, and I believe he's going to help me. 
And then an airplane comes by and he, he keeps coming by until he can get close enough to say, hey, we're, we're going to come by and scoop you up and uh, we're going to get you to safety. And he goes, no thanks, I've got some help on the way. The, I've asked the Lord to help me. A ship comes by and, and, and they yell up and say, hey, we're going to send a telescoping pole up and you can just come right down and we're going to rescue you and you can safely land upon this ship. And he says again, no thanks, I've got some help coming. I believe the Lord's going to help. And so the ship leaves and it gets quiet for a while. And then he says, well, Lord, I, you know, I trusted you to help me. What's going on? He said, I sent you a helicopter, an airplane, and a ship. And you haven't, you haven't received my help. I tell you what, whenever we think about being critical of this fellow, we might ought to be careful. Because some help comes around sometimes and we don't realize that God is sending that help. Sometimes the Lord is going to send a Christian by to help. The prophet and the preacher Nathan is sent by God to David. I tell you, I see some help right there for David. God sent his man, his prophet, to help David. Look, David's in this situation and the Lord loves David. The Lord cared for David. He longed for David. He had a heaviness for David in his time of darkness. He's down in the valley. He's down in a sinful valley. And the Lord is burdened for him. He's heavy for him. And he gives Nathan a heavy heart for David. Now David is on Nathan's mind and Nathan is given a job by God to do. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's difficult. But he is sending Nathan to David to help in his time of need. I tell you what, when, when the preacher comes to the house, you know, we ought not close the blinds and pretend like we're not home. We ought not look the other way when the preacher's headed toward us. Look, it, it may be something from God. It may be a help in a time of need. And God is still doing that. Not just the preacher, but He's sending one Christian to help another. He's sending Christians in love to another to help them when they are down, that they might be lifted up out of the situation that they are in. Look, God does this. I, I love a verse in Proverbs. It says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You take that old rusty iron and you bang it together and you slide it against one another and the rust is going to fall off. Hey, God may be sending somebody in love to get the rust off you, to be able to help you. Look, there is the help of a Christian here, not only for David, but God sends them our way as well. Not not just the preacher, but any child of God, God may send our way. Oh, if we miss the help. Oh, if we miss the help when the Lord sends someone by to knock the rust off. Let us be very sensitive to that. Someone 
may be led to get in underneath our burden with us, even a burden of sin, that it might be lifted and taken out of our lives. That's the way that God still works today. Let us not deny that God might send the help of a Christian because he does. There's not only the help of a Christian that we see here for David, there's the help of conviction that we'll see in verse 7. You know, God not only sends a saint by to David, but he sends a saint by with a story. And what you find between verse 1 and verse 7 is a story that God has for David. And it's about two men. It's about a rich man and it's about a poor man. And this poor man, he doesn't have much, but he has this little lamb. And this lamb isn't for his prophet, this lamb's his pet. He loves this lamb. And along comes this rich man, who has plenty of everything, but here he takes this man's lamb. You don't tell a shepherd a story like that. I'm telling you, David was a faithful shepherd. He risked his life for those sheep. David hears this story, and David gets angered. David says he needs to die. He needs to be restored abundantly above what he lost, and that man needs to die. That's the conclusion that David has in this story. And then Nathan says there in verse 7, Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. David was the rich man in the story. Uriah was the poor man in the story. Bathsheba was that lamb. David had been going along, covering, pretending, making excuses, trying to walk in the dark, just pretending, lulling himself to sleep in his sin. But the conviction came his way. God sent a Christian, and along with that came conviction. Oh, we can be thankful for the conviction of the Lord upon our lives. There are some Christians who have said, I wish God would just leave me alone in the condition that they are in. The worst thing that could happen for the Christian is for God to leave them alone. God is not throwing David to the trash. He is not casting David aside. He is a good father to David and he is bringing conviction to the heart of David. There is the help of conviction in our lives. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit has come along and has made David uneasy and unsettled. You know, people might try to run. People might try to hide from sin. But having the good father that we are, we're not going to find success in sin. When we run to sin, to, to run to the dim lights, to, grow, to try to grow numb to what we've done, God just may send a saint along with a story 
that brings conviction to the children of God. It convicted David. He sent a saint. David is disturbed. But all the time, look, David received some bad news in this, but there's some good news. Help is coming along the way in several different ad- in several different avenues by way of a christian by way of conviction look when when this story got to david and was told to david he is now convicted of what he has done praise the lord for the uneasiness that the Christian experiences to where we just can't go on enjoying anything that offends God. The Holy Spirit not allowing us to move forward as though all is well. It might happen for a time, but but a good father that we have, he is going to come after us with help. The help of conviction the help of con- of confession we see in verse 13 David said unto Nathan after Nathan expounded after he said thou art the man he expounded on what the Lord had done for David and what David had done and David said unto Nathan I have sinned against the Lord. In the 51st Psalm, you'll find the most beautiful repentance that you'll ever see written down. And David says, against thee, thee only, have I sinned. The, the help of confession that David is brought to now. In the 32nd Psalm and... And the first couple of verses, David writes, after this experience, he's having an experience of the help of God coming to him in his time of darkness, in sin. And he says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Let's read a little more. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Stop and think about that. Stop and think about the help that comes to the child of God in their time that they're not even turning to God, that they are not dealing with things as they should in their life. Nevertheless, help is on the way. And now David is in a period of repentance. David is repenting to the Lord. God sent help David's way and he changed his mind about sin and he looked to his savior David confessed his sin and he repented 
Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. David has experienced the mercy of God in his life. Praise God for the confessing of sins that brings about a cleansing of sins. The, the help of cleansing we're going to get to, but that, that confession, you know, it's not just I'm sorry, God. It's in detail telling God, listing it out as though it's a news bulletin for God. We know well it isn't, but to tell Him every detail. I tell you what, it's not fun, but it brings a lot of help. It makes sin less fun when we tell God what we did and then go in His Word and we can put our finger on what God has to say about what we did and go ahead and tell Him about that too. And I tell you what, it's a whole lot less fun then. But that confession, it brings a cleansing. The help of cleansing we see also in verse 13. We see the confession in the first part. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then in the second part of the verse, And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David said that that... That man who took that lamb, he should die. The Lord has mercy on David. He says, you're not going to die. David was not condemned. He wasn't cast aside. He wasn't tossed away. He was forgiven by God. You see, David was really in darkness and, and, and in the slums, but he's been restored by God. God sent help his way, and that's what God wants to do for his children. He helps them. Help is right there at the door, and all we have to do is look to Jesus. God is willing to forgive. David was forgiven by God. In the hundred and the thirtieth Psalm, in the third verse, it says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Oh, praise, the, praise God for not going, throwing the clay away. But that he is molding us and he's helping us and he's bringing help in our time of need. It, when we're not even asking for it, praise the Lord. David writes in the 103rd Psalm, maybe you've read this at Thanksgiving to the family. But as we consider David and God using David to write these first verses, David says... Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. There's five benefits listed there. I'm just going to say the first one. Who forgiveth all 
thine iniquities. Oh, the experience of God coming to us in a time of help. Our need to confess. Our need to be cleansed. The experience of the forgiveness of sins in the life of the Christian. What an amazing experience it is. It will make you and I say, bless the Lord, O my soul. He is good to us. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. We can rejoice in the help of the Lord this morning. The preacher doesn't preach on sin much, but here we're looking at sin in the life of David, and and it makes us rejoice in what the Lord does for us in that. He helps us in our time of need. Can we rejoice in Him? He has brought us out of death and into life. He bought us by His death that we might belong to Him. The Lord seeketh that which has gone astray. The shepherd leaves the ninety-nine, and he goes after the one. And here we see that God is going after David. He's going after him to restore him, to help him in his time of need. He forgives and he washes us white as snow. The forgiveness of the Lord in the Christian's life. I'm telling you, I I thought about that song that Lisa just sang. and, And I thought about being saved from the presence of sin one day. But the power of sin, that we're being saved from the power of sin. And God gives David a victory. He has been down, but God lifts him up. He's fallen off the horse, but God puts him back in the saddle. Oh, that'll make us want to sin less. The help of confession, the help of that cleansing. Let me say this, though. Though there... Though there is cleansing, there is forgiveness. He washes us white as snow. There are some consequences. Not only does that confession help us to to want to quit sinning, but the consequences do as well. David's child died. You know, the consequences aren't fun either. But I tell you what, this isn't over. And the help doesn't stop here. I'm telling you the help that God gives, it just goes on and on and on. God keeps helping over and over and over. David's been forgiven. He has experienced some consequences. His his child has died. There are other consequences mentioned, but well look what let, let's look here. Verse verse 20 I'm going to go to. David arose from the earth and he washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him, he did eat. Let's go down to verse 23. He says, can I bring him back again, his child? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. The help is not over. David was helped and he went to his wife. God blessed and gave them a child. 
And the Lord loved this child, Solomon. The help is not over. It just keeps going on and on and on. The help of continuing, we'll call this. Look at verse 29 and you'll see where David is able to get back in the work of God. Verse 29, David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. David wasn't just washed of sin. He had the privilege of going back to work for the Lord again. Getting back in the work of God. You know, one Christian has come along. There's the help of a Christian in that Nathan went to David. Now there's the help of another Christian. You'll find in in, uh, the end of this chapter, verses like 26 through 31, and there's the help of Joab. Joab has gone and he has taken over Rabbah. And he's in the process of fighting against them. And he has a man on his heart that he wants the help of. And that man is David. That David would lead the people of Israel. That David would take them and lead and go to help Joab out and to take over Rabbah. He calls for David to help him take over that city. David is back in the work of the Lord again. You know, if we look again in the 51st Psalm, you'll see that David gives a reason of wanting to be restored that he wants to do the work of God. We ask God for a lot of things in prayer. Do we ever give God a reason for these things? Why do we want so-and-so healed? Why do we want so-and-so to have better health? I'm not saying we earn anything from God. We don't. Everything is by His grace. But why are we asking? What attitude are we going to God with? David says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation in that 51st Psalm. Then he says, Then... I will teach transgressors thy ways. He asked to be restored so that he can be useful for God, that he can do the work of God, that he can live for God's glory. God used David in his work on earth again and again. He gave him help over and over and gave him victory over his sin. He made David effective for the cause of Christ again and again. And again, while the old song says, help won't help tomorrow if you give up today. Help won't help tomorrow if you give up today. There is no doubt that we have an example in David here that you and I would not give up no matter what. Do not quit on God because God's not quitting on you. He has a restoring to do in all of our lives. There is help for David here and there is help for all. We should all be encouraged by the story of David's life. We, we have dealt with this gross sin of David, but look at what God has done for him. Know what God will do for you. He will send you help in time of need.
And here we have this message today and we have the life of a Christian. We have the Christian who has received the help of the Lord. The child of God has been uh, brought back. He has been helped out concerning the power of sin. The power of sin had overtaken him. The Bible talks about laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Maybe everything's great for you right now, but please stick this in your back pocket because you may need it soon. Because we're in a fight against sin in this world and we are not saved from the power of sin yet, but we are being saved from the power of sin. There are victories. We may, we may fall. We may trip. We don't love it. We're embarrassed or we don't like it when we're there. We're uncomfortable when we're there. But we're being saved from the power of sin. God is giving victory over those things for the child of God. There is help for the children of God. God is, you see, He's longing and reaching and wanting to help. All we have to do is look. You don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do cartwheels. Just look to the Lord and that's where the help is. Look sincerely before Him. That we would admit ourselves before Him and, and that we would confess ourselves to Him with a broken and contrite heart and that we would be cleansed from all of our sins. Oh, that shed blood of Jesus. Jesus that continually cleanses us as we deal with those things in our lives. And so, and so a message for the Christian today. Victories over the power of sin. On and on and on. Constant help. But maybe there's one here today and, and your issue can't be the power of sin and being helped with that yet because there's the penalty of sin. And you've never become a Christian. You've never been saved from the penalty of sin. Someone here today may think baptism has saved you from the penalty of sin. That, that did not start your Christian life. That did not do anything concerning the penalty of sin. It may be a hundred other things that the confusion of so much religion has got you to believe about what saves from the penalty of sin. I want to tell you this morning that there's no help for the penalty of sin. You're not going to be helped with the penalty of sin. It has to be done for you. No one's going to live good enough to just overcome that penalty of sin. You're, you're not going to get help in it. It has to be done for you. It's something that you can't do in and of yourselves in any way whatsoever. Jesus Christ... He took your penalty for you on the cross at Calvary. He took it all completely, paid in full, and there's no help there. It's you trust what He's completely done for you. He's not handing you a baton. He's saving you completely from all your sins if you will trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus has done everything that you need to be saved from the penalty of sin. He suffered it on the cross in your place. And so we'd simply ask, would you trust Him today? Would you be born again? Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
as your Savior? Well, I, I, I believe that. For, that. for that statement that might be in anyone's heart, has your life taken on a change? Has there been a change being saved by heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that heaven is your home? That comes by believing. Oh, the penalty he took. And that's it for salvation. I, I try not to connect everything God, God's going to do for you when we talk about salvation. Some people have, have, have said, Oh, I need God. I'm going through this particular thing in my life. And, and I need God right now. You know, there's who knows what's going to happen in your future as a child of God. The hardest thing I ever went through happened to me one year after I was saved. But the promise that all your sins are forgiven, not just this one sin that's troubling you in your life if you've never believed in Christ, but all your sins forgiven. That, that sin nature you received from Adam being covered being crucified on that cross with Jesus. Have you trusted Him for that and been born again, knowing that heaven is your home? And though I don't connect these things, I just have to say, I just have to say, for the children of God who have believed in the Lord, we know about this help. There is help throughout our lives. There's a struggle, there are things we face, but we know about this help. There is help for you. You will never regret becoming a child of God. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer now. And this is your time with God. Whatever it may be. We, we may walk out of here as though everything is perfect. We may blame it on not wanting to get close to someone. Don't let any of those things get in your mind. We are not a perfect people. And... There are things that God has laid on our hearts in this message to deal with. Would we obey God this morning and would we move according to God and His direction in our lives? Let us bow. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you this morning and, oh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, as we consider the help that David received. Lord, we want to thank you that we might understand that you're not looking to, to whip us, but that you're looking to help us, to draw us back into your will, that we would confess our sins to you, that we would be cleansed, that we would be constantly experiencing your forgiveness in our life, which is endless through your grace, and we thank you for it. And dear God, for the one here this morning who maybe has discovered in their heart that your precious son you gave paid the penalty for their sin, alone, personally, individually. And Lord, may they come to you trusting you as Lord and Savior of their own personal life, that they may know you in a relationship, that they would know the forgiveness of sins. 
that they wouldn't make excuses dancing around that peace that you give that they do not have. Lord, we're justified by faith and we have peace with you, your word says. We pray that for the one who doesn't know you this morning. As for your children, dear God, Lord, may we know that your help is always there for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.